Amen. I got I to gotta do one quick thing before we do that. Alex, during prayer time, the Spirit of God just slept in me and told me to speak this over you. And guys, if you're running the disc, just keep it running. I know that this week, because I watch Facebook, that you had what in the natural could look to be sort of like a disappointment. I know this in the natural. Uh, or a setback. And the Lord just said, tell that young man that, that I know your heart, and I know your heart was to exercise influence for kingdom purpose. The Lord said, I know that his heart was to do something big for the kingdom, to be a conduit through which God's spirit could work on a college campus. And the Lord said that, that he knows that it didn't shake out like your plans had, had sort of been put before you. <clears throat> but, but the Lord wants you to know this, that what you thought would have been an open door in order to disseminate great influence. The Lord said it would have been, it would have been a ball and a chain. It would, it, it would have restricted you in what you could do and what you could say. And the Lord said this, son, there are certain things that I have done even through this season in your life that appear to be setbacks, but they're not setbacks. They're actually setting you up for some greater things that will come. And the Lord says that while you would have thought opportunity would have come by the way that you had planned initially, the Lord says, I'm going to bring you by a way that you know not. And the Lord says, I'm going to open doors to you that you would have thought would have only been available had this thing happened over here. But the Lord said, because now his hands are involved, I will open doors through this way. The Lord said, I'm going to give you influence in the next school year even greater than what would have been had you uh, been elected to the position that you were seeking. And the Lord says this, there's going to be a shaking within the next school year. There's going to be a shaking that's going to take place. There's going to be a rumbling that's going to go through the student body that's going to cause a shaking to happen. And God says, I'm going to shake all that can be shaken so that which cannot be shaken shall remain. And the Lord said, I will use out of that shaking voices that will be able to bring stability and solutions and God's answers. And the Lord says, I'm going to use you in this regard. So when you see the shaking take place, do not be stirred, to not let your emotions go with what everyone else is doing. But the Lord said, I will cause your voice to be heard. I will open the door, says the Lord, even to the administration. I will open the door that your voice will be heard among even administration people as they begin to deal with what it is that will begin to take place. So the Lord said, don't be discouraged, don't be distraught, for the thing you thought that should have happened, God was in, and he's going to bring it by uh, another way to you. All right? Amen. I just want you to be encouraged by that. He's going to do it. He's really going to do it. Sometimes, sometimes, Alex, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes disappointments are God's interstates. All right? And just, just... Keep your heart pure and good and honorable before him and, and, and God will vindicate. I'm just telling you, I know, I know, listen, I don't know anything. You know, I don't know anything. I know shenanigans goes on by the spirit. Don't you worry. Truth, truth is sometimes slow, but it always shows up. It'll always show up. Amen. Amen. Are you ready to study God's word again? <laughs> All right. If you have your Bibles, open it up to John chapter 12. We're going to look to the scriptures this morning. Today is Palm Sunday. As we mentioned earlier in the service, it is the Sunday that we recognize the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem for the last week of his earthly life. This week will entail all of the memorable, notable stories of of some of his most powerful teachings of betrayal, of denial, Gethsemane, 
Jesus standing before Pilate, the crowd yelling, crucify him. Obviously the cross. And uh, so many, so many important things with regards to our Christian faith. I am not sure, in fact, just as I prophesied that, I, I have it here on my notes as well. I'm not sure in the natural that Jesus' trek to the cross would look all that triumphant. How many of you know if you're marching toward a cross, I don't know that you could label that triumphant. But we who have been redeemed know that this week is indeed a triumphant week. How many of you also know that one of these days Jesus is coming again? In fact, his coming will take place at the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, the same place where he ascended unto the Lord, but it won't be under the same circumstances. We celebrate his entry into Jerusalem uh, this first entry was to establish his victory in the earth and in people's lives who would trust in him and his provision and sacrifice. When Jesus comes again, his second entrance will be to enforce his final victory in the earth. And he will begin to rule and reign in perfection. But as I was reading again the accounts of this triumphal entry, and it's recorded in all of the Gospels, all four of them, I began to see some things that I think are prophetic in nature and I believe can unlock some insight into your life right now. I always, I always ask the Lord, give me something fresh to share with the folks. Unfortunately, in America, we have been gospel immunized. We have heard so much gospel at times it doesn't affect us anymore. We have churches on every street corner. We have Christian television. We have people who go to church at least twice a year, usually Christmas and Easter, and they've heard these stories, they're well-known, and we've become immunized, anesthetized to the gospel. And so I get before the Lord, especially on these Sundays, and I ask the Lord, give me something fresh to share with the people so that they, they can hear your voice, maybe like they've never heard it before. And in John's Gospel, chapter 12, here is the account of the triumphal entry, I, we don't oftentimes teach it. You don't hear it It often read out of the Gospel of John. Matthew and, and Luke have the more notable passages with regards to his entry. But listen to this. It's, it's, it's great. John 12, verses 12 through 19, it says this. The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. Can I just stop here? I'm, 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 I may mention this again later. But anyone that ever tells you that signs and wonders alienate people need to read that passage. They came out to Jesus because miracles were around him. They knew, they knew the power of God was around him. And they came out to greet him. Verse 19 says, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, listen to this, this is a great verse. They're talking to each other. You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. 
I, that just leapt off the pages at me. And I just entitled the message this morning, flash that up there, guys. If you praise him, they will come. If you praise him, they will come. Now, I believe whenever we read the Bible, there are layers of interpretation when it comes to understanding the scripture. I believe that as we read the Bible, we need to know what was happening then, what was going on when we're actually reading this passage. And then, of course, I believe the next layer is what does it mean for us today? That's the next level of interpretation. And at times, I believe the scripture speaks prophetically that it pictures something for the future. Now, most of us know the story that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem to fulfill the prophecies concerning his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And as he enters the city, there's this spontaneous outbreak of outlandish, over-the-top, unorchestrated praise. I mean, they cut down palm branches. They begin to wave palm branches. They begin to declare, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means the one who saves. They're beginning to declare his kingship. Can you imagine how dangerous that would be? They're declaring his kingship, and it's just an unruly, outlandish, over-the-top, praising moment for our Savior Jesus. Now, also a part of the picture are these folks that we know as the religious leaders, most specifically the Pharisees. Now, we know because we've become used to the story that they were not all that thrilled with what was going on. They wanted it to be silenced. And Jesus responded with the famous words, I tell you, if these keep silent, what did he say? What did he say? Yeah, if you, if you try to silence the people, the earth will scream my praise. The rocks will cry out. And I cannot tell you how many times that I have used these passages to underscore the need for praising God. And that would be totally appropriate. We, would, we could talk about the way we praise God, the energy we bring to it, the expression, the expectation, the excitement we should have when it comes to praising God. And all of these things would be in order, they would be applicable, and they are things that all of us need to be reminded of this morning. But as I read the account from John's Gospel, something hit me that I never considered before. For all these years, I misunderstood the problem that the Pharisees had with the event. You see, I thought they were all twisted and they were all consternated because they didn't like the style of praise that was going on. You see, I always thought that they saw this really, really exuberant crowd doing this over-the-top thing as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. And I thought they were upset and I thought they were irritated because... Somehow or another, the crowd lacked the order that they thought should be there, or they, they lacked the decorum that should have taken place that day. I sort of linkened, uh, likened it, um, and, and, and you know me, I'm not saying, please don't be offended. If you're a senior saint, I'm getting there quickly, okay? But I just sort of looked at like this old group of just old codgers, just kind of crusty and old and and, 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 and they looked at what was going on and they saw the kids and the young people and the young adults and, 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 and they just were violated because their tastes and their traditions were challenged by the noise and the energy of that moment. 
I, I never thought that I would get to a place like that, but I'm telling you, it's amazing how you can get there and not know that you're getting there to this, this sort of moment when you're being challenged by the praise of another generation. I've told you the story before that when my oldest son Clay was in his first year of college and I, I knew that he was kind of meandering around, I, I, I knew that he had, he had declared that he felt like God was calling him to some things, but he hadn't quite got a handle on it. And so he came back from the school that he was going to in the upstate, and, and he told us, he announced to us, God has spoken to me. And I thought, well, hallelujah. You know, we, I'm glad God has spoken because tuitions are high, and you know, and we'd like to get you in the right direction. And, 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 and so he said, I need to show you, I saw this DVD, and God spoke to me through this DVD, and he's excited. And his mom and I are just really, we're excited with him, because when you're, when your young person comes in and they say, God has spoken and they're excited about the things of God, I mean, could there be anything better than that? And so I said, well, put it on. Let's take a look at it. And I was, you got to understand, he was excited and I was thinking, man, this has got to be powerful. Because you know how it is with the next generation. You think that God needs two by fours up the side of the head to get most of their attentions. And, and so I'm figuring this has got to be powerful. And so we're sitting there and we're watching. It was a Hillsong United DVD. OMG. Oh my gosh. They started their thing. And I mean, at that time, that was just, it was a different sound. It was a different style. It was a different way. It was, I don't know, I don't even know what you call it. It was uh, maybe a little heavy metal was in there. I'm sorry, I don't even know what you describe that as, as far as as what you would put it under what category. All I know is, is that it wasn't Gaither. That's all I knew at the time. I mean, I mean... This, this didn't, I mean, this, this was just stretching me at the time. And I almost, just barely, almost said something. Because I'm going, how can you hear God out of this? I, I can't hear anything. I can't hear myself think out of this. How could you hear God out of this? And I almost said something, but hallelujah for those moments the Holy Ghost grabs your tongue. And I looked and tears are streaming down his face. And, and I just remember his mom and I looking at each other going, have mercy. I just, I, I, I don't know how God could touch anybody out of that. But how many of you know God uses amazing things that he doesn't have to check in with us on in order to reach people? It was not my taste. It was not my style. Listen, I'm not, I'm not getting on senior saints, but as we get older, folks, we've got to be careful we don't make our tastes scripture. We got to be careful. I'm, I'm telling you, pastor nearly did that. And then I hit the other day on Facebook and he did some new video. It's, a, I'm going to be a preacher or something. And I'm looking at this going, have, I'm going to be a pastor? Oh, whatever it is. And I'm just telling you, I mean, there's a generation that God can touch and they touch God and, and it doesn't check in with me to make sure it's all okay. I'm telling you, that day on the streets of Jerusalem, there was a generation locking into Jesus and the religious system wasn't getting it. And so, I liken this event to something like that. You know, I'm not, I'm not picking on people, but I'm just trying to be honest. It was just like they were all, you know, they were all these robe wearing. 
cooters who are saying, where's the hymn book? I know, I think there are people, I know, I, I don't care, I'll irritate, I'm an equal opportunity irritator. That's how I kind of envisioned it. They were looking, they're going, it's too loud, it's too exuberant, it's this, it's that. It, they're just, they're just upset. Folks, I want to tell you something. It, it, it wasn't, that wasn't it at all. The Pharisees, the religious people, listen to me now, listen to me carefully. They were meticulous about the scripture. Come on, you, you, you've been to Sunday school one-on-one, you know this is true. Isn't it true? Pharisees, they weren't like Sadducees. Sadducees were like the liberals. Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, they didn't believe in signs and wonders, they, they didn't believe in that stuff. Sadducees were the liberals of their day. The Pharisees were very conservative, but they were conservative with regards to the word. They believed and were very meticulous with the word. And if that be true, which it is, then they understood how God was to be praised. Do you realize that everything we do here at Legacy is in this book? Everything we do is in this book. The Old Testament tells us. Now, this is what the Pharisees would have known. They knew that the Old Testament tells us how we are to praise God. The Bible tells us, believe it or not, the Bible says that we're to praise Him with loud. It literally says loud praise. You know what loud means in Hebrew? Loud. That's exactly right. It means loud praise. The Scripture tells us that we are to sing unto him a new song, which means you can actually use music that was written in the 21st century. The Bible says, clap your hands, O ye peoples. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. It has multiple words for dancing. I mean, I grew up in a denomination. You say the word dance and you're in the devil's territory. I understand. There's a worldly dancing and, and then there's a, a dances unto the Lord. And, and worldly dancing is not to be confused with, with the other. But the Bible tells us there are all sorts of ways. There's, there's little, you can, do you know there's a Hebrew word to spin before the Lord? Do you know there's a word that says you can bounce before the Lord? The Bible tells us that we can lift our hands. The Bible tells us that when they worshiped the Lord, they stood to their feet. They would kneel. They would lay prostrate even more. We do these things not just because we're a contemporary church. We do these things because the Bible says it's okay to do it. And it's in the Old Testament. Somebody said to me one time, they said, well, if it's not in the New Testament, I'm a New Testament believer. And my response has always been this. Well, did you change gods at the cross? You see, the same God that was worshipped under an old covenant incarnated himself in Jesus Christ and he became enfleshed amongst us so that we might know the Father. So when Jesus died on the cross, we didn't all of a sudden switch gods out. Are you following me? 
And if we praise and worship Him under certain divine pattern, under an old covenant, which did not have the power to redeem us and set us free and to break chains and bondages, but now under a new covenant with a Lamb that was slain once before the foundation of the world, never again to be repeated, He has ushered us in boldly to God's presence. How much more if I'd hop under an old covenant for bulls and goats? How much more would I hop for the very Son of God. I didn't switch gods at the cross. Hallelujah. But the Pharisees, listen to me, they would have known all of that. They would have known how you praise God. Listen to me, the Pharisees' problem was this. Listen very carefully. This is just this revealed to me this week. Their problem wasn't that it was too noisy. Their problem wasn't their manner of praise. This wasn't their problem. Their problem was right here. Jesus exposed their ineffectiveness. That was their problem. Their problem was he's effective and we're not. They look at each other and they say these very words. You see that you are accomplishing nothing. They're looking amongst themselves and they're saying to each other, we ain't doing nothing here. You see, religion... A lot of even church program can be ineffective. See, Jesus isn't against, listen to me, Jesus isn't against organized religion. There are people that are out there right now who think that somehow or another Jesus is against organized religion, and that's just pure and simply false. Do you understand that it was God's idea to create a temple? You understand that. That he was the one that said, build a tabernacle and then build a temple. I mean, this was God's idea. Now, what we did as human beings was we corrupted all of this until finally the Lord said, well, now I'm going to set up a temple in your heart. But that's not to suggest, though, that there's not a place for certain, be it program or structure or organization. I could take you through the book of Acts and I could show you all kinds of these sorts of things. But what God is trying to do is he's trying to get us back to the main thing. And the main thing is beginning to cultivate a relationship with him. And as I mulled over these passages I just read to you, it seemed as if the Lord was saying to me, and I'm going to speak in the first person as if I'm prophesying, it seemed as if the Lord was saying this, as I'm preparing to come back to my church and gather my people I am exposing again the ineffectiveness of what so many are doing. And I believe that the Lord is calling us back to some things that are going to make us effective again in the earth for Him. Things that are spiritually effective. Now, there are four four insights I just want to give you out of the triumphal entry that I really want you to take to heart personally. I believe these things could be applied at a personal level. Obviously, as a pastor, I apply it at my own personal level, but I also apply it, as I declare it to you, at a more corporate level. So so keep all of this in mind. Four prophetic insights about the triumphal entry. Number one is this. Miracles, birth, and atmosphere of praise. Miracles, birth, and atmosphere of praise. In verses 17 and 18 of this passage that I just read to you, the people had gathered in Jerusalem that day, Because they had also participated in the miracle that had raised Lazarus from the dead. I don't know about you, but dead people being raised can catch your attention. I mean, that'll grab your attention. 
And I recognize, and I want you to listen to me carefully, I recognize that we praise the Lord because of who He is. I understand and we teach that. We teach that if God were to do nothing more in our lives, He's worthy of our praise because He's God. And just on that basis, He's worthy of all that we can muster up and present to Him. But can I just share this with you? When there's a miracle in the house, or when there's a miracle in your life, it can go to the next level. And I kind of hesitate to use this illustration, but I'm going to anyway, because I know it may break down at certain points, but I think you'll get the gist of it. Some of you, some of you here are rabid sports fans. Not everybody, but some are. If you're not a rabid sports fan, you may be a rabid fan of something else. And you know, the truth of the matter is, and I've been to both the Clemson uh, Stadium, I've been to Williams-Brice, I've, I've been to both teams. You know, I wasn't born in Carolina, so I really, really don't have a dog in that hunt. I, I understand there are some people that love those schools and some that just absolutely despise those schools. I, I get it. I've been to both stadiums. And the amazing thing is, think about this, that no matter what kind of year they're having, when the teams go on the field... Everybody stands up and starts cheering. Is that not true? I mean, if you're a Carolina fan or if you're a Clemson fan, I mean, it doesn't matter. When those teams run on the field, everybody's on their feet and they're clapping and they're just shouting and they're having a good time. Why? It's because it's my team. And, And I liken that to how when we come to the house of God and and, 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 you know, we just praise God. Why is that? Because He's our God. And so we praise Him. But is it not true that when the team you love in any way does something over the top, cool, big play, scores, or whatever the case may be, is it not true that yes, you stood and you cheered them as they entered the stadium, but maybe when they made the big play or it was an unusual play or a miraculous play, one of those Hail Marys, you know, that somebody caught and it was remarkable, it was going to be on the ESPN reruns over and over again. Is it not true that the stadium goes ballistic? Can I just share this with you? We should come in every Sunday and praise Him because He is our God. But when He does a miracle in the house, there is something that should cause us to go ballistic. That's God moving in our life. I will love the Lord and I will praise Him no matter if He does anything else in my life. But when he does something awesome, I'll just admit to you, it just takes it to the next level. When God moved in us and he helped us raise monies for certain uh, building and renovation things, do you remember those services when we cheered? It took it to another level because God did something miraculous. And I want you to notice something here. The world wasn't scared off by the miraculous, was it? The Bible says here that they were attracted to Jesus. They, they ran after Him. The church of these last days needs to be a church that believes in and makes room for the miraculous. I've reached the place where, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, there's gonna come a moment that the, every, the world is gonna to, to exhaust itself in trying everything it knows to do. And when it's finally exhausted, it's going to be looking for who's got the answers and who's got the solutions. 
and who it is that seems to be tapped in to another power. I'm, I'm declaring some things to you. At the world, we are doing our best to try to somehow solicit the world, but we're trying to solicit the world by somehow making sure they're not alienated because we don't want to act weird or we don't want to do something over the top. We want to make sure everybody's comfortable, everybody feels, you know, just right. We don't want to do anything that would cause them to feel bad. Listen, Jesus attracted the world because he raised somebody from the dead. It don't get any wilder than that. Come on now. The world was attracted when people began to praise God just over the top crazy. I've been listening and I've been praying and I ultimately do not know if, if this current cultural healthcare debacle will turn out for good or bad. You know what? I don't know how it's all going to shake out. I have my opinions. I'm sure you do too. But can I tell you this? I saw, this is what I saw with my own eyes. I saw in Russia in 1992 as well as 1996. I traveled to Russia. Trace was there with me for one of those, one of those uh, times. And we saw in Russia what socialized healthcare looks like. I'm just telling you, I saw it with my own eyes. Now I'm not saying people don't need help and I'm, I'm not, I'm not making a political statement. I'm just, I'm telling you a story. I saw what it looked like. I saw what it looked like when they were begging us for Tylenol in those hospitals. I saw what it looked like when, when they had eight, ten people and they had to bring their own pillows and blankets into the infirmary ward. I saw, I saw it all. And let me just tell you this. None of you would want to get sick in the old Soviet Union. But can I just share this with you? When all of that came crashing down in Russia, when it all fell apart, the most amazing thing in the world was this. God showed up. And what they could not do in their hospitals, we were doing in the cultural halls as we preached the gospel and laid hands on the sick. I watched with my own eyes laying hands on a young boy who was completely blind. I saw this with my very own eyes. His eyes had so milked over, they looked almost totally white. In the middle of it, there was just this little dot. His mother, through the interpreter, told me he'd been blind almost since the day he was born. I suspect there wasn't the stuff put in his eyes or whatever they do to, to make sure some of that that could take place uh, didn't take place. But he was blind as could be. Couldn't see a thing. She brought him up for prayer. We laid hands on him. I'm telling you, I'm looking this boy in the eye. And I watched as we prayed. At that moment, the milky substance suddenly evaporated away and the pupil of his eye rose back up. And all of a sudden, that eight, nine-year-old boy started saying in Russia, I can see, I can see, I can see. Do you, listen, do, they, they fill those cultural halls. I watch people come in, in, uh, 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 walkers that threw their walkers and ran around buildings. These, pe- these people didn't know. They weren't conditioned to do these things. I watched as limbs were changed, as cancers were healed. I watched ears that were deaf. My interpreter wasn't even saved at the time. And, and she would say, he's deaf and cannot hear. And we would pray. And all of a sudden... His ears would open and you would see them. Just young kids saying, I can hear, I can hear, I can hear. 
And my interpreter, who told me later she had come to do this because she needed the money to interpret. She was an atheist, but she said once she had gone through all of that, she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. Because she'd heard and she had seen. It didn't alienate her. And she was one of the brightest people, probably one of their, 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 their most famous and brightest that would come out of those universities. I mean, I mean, God is calling us back to this place. He's calling us back, folks, to this place. Miracles, birth and atmosphere, praise. Number two, praise is reserved for Jesus exclusively. Now, obviously, we ought to know we're not praising other gods. I mean, we're not doing Harry Krishna here. We're not, we're not doing Buddha here. I'll just say this, Allah's not our God either. Allah, Allah said that you're to kill Jews and infidels. That's what Allah said. Well, I don't know, I don't know where Allah got it, but that's not my God. My God says he will bless those that blesses Israel. Are, are you following me? I know people say, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it when you point other people out. Well, let me just tell you, I don't like it when other religions begin to cause me to step back or think they can cause me to step back in what I declare as the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. We're not praising other gods. Of course, that should be just well known. But let me also say this. Praise isn't about you or me either. I had a a pastor, I guess I'd call him a pastor friend or at least an acquaintance. This is years ago. We were here at Legacy, but it's been years ago. And he had come and, and he was just a little bit put off. Now think about this. Years ago, at how we were praising God. I don't know what he'd do today. Because I feel like back then we were tame. I mean, we're, we're, we're a, a whole lot more exuberant today. Nowhere near what we do today. But his quote that got to me was that it was just, it's just unnecessary. It's just excessive. Apparently it wasn't his taste. Apparently it wasn't his style. I guess he felt maybe uncomfortable at some level. I, I feel badly about that. Because we don't try to figure out how to alienate people. I mean, that is, I, you know, I don't wake up in the morning and say, what can I do to alienate everybody that I come in contact with today? I... And, and so out of that, there was a sense of criticalness. Despite the fact, now this is what's interesting. Despite the fact that he was in an improper relationship in the middle of leaving his wife, and he thought he could come in and just pretty much just decide how it is that we ought to worship God. Why don't you just work on your life first? And then come back and give leadership to other things later. So so he was there. And you know what? I, I, I finally came to this point. His issue was his sin, not the praise. Amen, pastor. Yes. We say, well, what did you say? Well, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, most of the time, hallelujah, God just keeps me quiet. And he did this time too. I didn't tell you what I wanted to say. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. We're not, we're not praising you. It's not about you. It's not about what your taste is. We all got tastes. I, and we can respect that to some level. But when I come here and I lift up my hands, I ain't lifting my hands to you. And I'm not lifting my hands to the congregation. And I'm not lifting my hands to win the loss. I'm lifting my hands to my God. My God. My God. David 
There's a story that's told when he brought the ark back into Jerusalem, was leading the procession. It's a great story. But as he's going through the gates and he's finally getting the ark into Jerusalem, his wife, whose name we pronounce it, Michael, but she was standing in the window watching all of this take place and she saw her husband in front of the procession bringing the ark back and David had praised his way and danced his way down to his drawers. I mean, I mean, he was in his BVDs, fruit of the loom. I mean, I don't know. Boxers, briefs, I don't know. Toga, I don't know. But he was down to his drawers, his ephod. That's what ephod is. You know that. Ephod means drawers. And he had praised his wife. He'd worked up a sweat. It's in the Middle East. And his wife sees him. I mean, I mean, think about this. I mean, you can kind of appreciate her at some levels going, oh, well, isn't that great? My husband's running down the street in his drawers. I mean, I mean, you can kind of appreciate it at some level. But when David came in and began to interact with his wife, she instantly went to the natural and said, oh, how the king has distinguished himself today in front of everyone. You know what she was saying? She was basically saying, you look like a fool with all that jumping and spinning you were doing. And is that really necessary? Was that really necessary? Come on, listen to me for just a minute. Truth is, no, it probably wasn't really necessary in the technical sense. I mean, you can, you can, you, you, you don't have to go ballistic every time you praise God. God isn't breaking our arms. He's not leveraging us to do something, you know, that we don't feel comfortable doing. I understand that. But can I just share this with you? This is what David said. David said, I will be even more undignified in your sight. You know why he said that? He said that because he was saying, wife, it ain't about you. It's not about you. This was before the Lord. And interestingly, the Bible tells us that she's barren at that point. I, I am convinced of this, that if we will get into an abandonment and we will begin to praise God, and if we'll begin to move that direction, and I'm going to talk about this, give me just a second, God opens things up for us. David said, I'm taking it to the next level because I know the power that praise has associated with it. We praise Jesus, him exclusively. Number three, praise caught the attention of the harvest. Caught the attention of the harvest. Amazing. The world came to Jesus because of signs and wonders plus praise. Signs and wonders plus praise. It's exactly the opposite of what we've been led to believe. I'm going to tell you, the world will not be captured by our sterile, impotent, antiseptic services that tries its best to make everybody absolutely happy. I believe that people are going to begin to look for passion. They're looking for His presence. They want the power of God. Listen, when you finally exhausted everything, and America is headed there, folks, we're going to spend our way into a rubble heap one of these days, and everybody's going to wake up some morning when the party's over and say, just like they did in the old Soviet Union, where do we go? What do we do? And the heavens will be opened, and the gospel will be preached, and it won't be that antiseptic service people run to. It'll be where the power of God is moving. Let me tell you, you, you know this to be true. When people get cancers, they may make fun of the tongue talkers, but when they get the cancer, they want somebody praying in the spirit. They won't associate with you until they've got an issue, and then they'll say, well, they apparently have tapped into God. We'll let them pray. 
It caught the attention of the harvest. I've told this story before. I was in Nicaragua one time and the Nicaraguan worship leader was there. O-M-G. He only knew two chords. If you're a musician, you'll know this. We, we, we talk about chord runs being one, three, five. And he only had a one and the three chord going there, man. Boom, bum, boom, uh, mm, 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 mm. Every song. He didn't have to. There was no transition. He could just make it. Do, and he'd sing and he was like Elvis. I mean, he'd have, he was everything. And, and I was sitting there going, oh, Lord, give him a five chord just by revelation. Give him. Give him a minor to slip in there. Have mercy, Jesus. Help him. Help him, Lord. Help him. It was terrible. I'll just say it was terrible. But people walked for miles to get in that presence because God was there. We think we're smart in America. I'm not sure we're that smart. You see, if we keep praising with excitement and energy and enthusiasm and we do it biblically and with expectation and with passion and expression, listen to me, I believe the harvest will come. They're not coming. I don't believe people stand in lines for the ordinary. I think they stand in line for the extraordinary. The streets of Jerusalem were alive that day because it was not an ordinary day. This was an extraordinary day. And I believe God is awakening His people in this hour prophetically in order to set the atmosphere for even another coming. And then finally, number four, praise will move your circumstances. Matthew 21. Go to the Matthew account. Matthew 21, verse 10. Listen to this. And we're running down for a landing. Put your seatbelts on. The pilot is telling you we're descending for a landing right now. Matthew 21, verse 10 It's the same account of the triumphal entry, and it says this. And when he, meaning Jesus, had come into Jerusalem, underline this, all the city was moved. Many of you don't know that, that, but that word for moved actually is derived from the word that means earthquake. In other words, the city was shook. It was moved. What what had never moved Jerusalem before was now moving all the city. Can I just say this? Praise will move things that nothing else can move. Do you remember what got Paul and Silas out of the Philippian jail? You remember they were sitting around in a jail being unrighteously incarcerated, and they just began to praise God. And what happened when they praised God? There was a what? An earthquake. And and, and the jail cell opened. And as they were walking out, now you would have think they'd have beat it out of town in a hurry. But on their way out of this, this open door, they just decided they'd get the Philippian jailer saved along the way too. How did Jehoshaphat defeat the enemy who outnumbered his nation three to one? I'll tell you how he defeated him. He sent out the praise team ahead of the army. How did David get sprung from the caves of Adullam? Some of you don't realize that most of the Psalms, which are the praise manual for us today, most of the Psalms were written by David in the caves of Adullam. 
I believe that it was God who was using his ability to praise in the most difficult of circumstances that he opened a door for him and moved things for him in order to get him into his destiny. How did the three Hebrew boys get out of a fiery furnace? They praised God in the midst of the heat. It was Job, the Bible says, who was losing it all. And he utters out of his mouth, Though he yet slay me, still will I praise him. Some of you are needing God to move in your life. You're needing a healing. You're needing some resource. You want an open door. You're thinking, I need some opportunity. I don't understand why God doesn't seem to be moving in my life. What if I told you that if you were moved to praise God, He would begin to move things for you. When they praised Jesus coming into a city, He moved the city. I believe, listen to me, you got to get spiritual eyes to get this one, but I believe that That as we come in here on Sundays and Wednesdays as we gather together and as we begin to praise God together, you got to get the eyes of the heart right now to understand this. I believe that God is moving our city. He's moving it. He's moving it. Unexplainable, behind the scenes. He's doing something to move our city. I'm going to ask those... uh, who are prepared to assist me to to worship God. I want you to come back up here. We're going to worship God here for just a few minutes before we go this morning. You can't preach on praise and not do a little bit of it before you go. But as they're coming up, listen to me as they're moving. It was the fall of 1989. It was over 20 years ago now. And those of you that know my timeline know that I've been filled with the Spirit just a short while. And... uh, Trace and I had gotten to a spirit-filled church and we were participating and I had just been put on staff. Now, you got to understand where I was at that particular time. For me to get one arm up was like the Holy Ghost is in the room. (laughs) To get both antennas up, we're on the brink of an awakening. I mean, that's just, that's just how I was. I mean, it just, it, and, and I can go through all of the reasons I was like that. All the ways I was taught not to do that. I was taught it was emotionalism and it was just you were out of control. How many of you know that I'm in total control right now? I still have my brain. And I'm worship I can just say praise God. Lifting holy hands, the Bible says to pray. Men ought everywhere to do this. Men ought everywhere to do this. It's amazing how many men in the earth are so scripturally sure and yet it's so difficult to obey the scripture. Oh, well, we'll let that one go. It's 1989 again. 1989. I was put on staff. God's working through all of this in me. And um, it was the era. Some of you will know this. How many of you have been in, like, charismatic circles for, like, 20 years or so? I mean, mean, how many of you have been there now? You'll remember this. You remember when, like, it was the Jewish sound? You remember that? Oh, yeah, and they had the shofar. Yeah, they, they would do the shofar. Everybody, if you weren't there, it was all Jewish sounding. And, and, and I'll never, you know, one of the, one of the famous songs, they run on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carry out his word. Hey, you know, and, and, and what you would, and literally, no joke, I mean, you had a little Jewish hop that went with it. 
I mean, it's just how it went. If you weren't there, I wish we had taken, you know, pictures and video because it, it probably would just cause us to hoot. But back in those days, man, that was it. And I forgot how you did. You kind of, you kind of had to kick your leg like that. Isn't that how you did? That's how you did it, didn't it, Wally? You had that, you did that. Oh, yeah. And I knew one pastor friend and he would do this and he, 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 he'd get, he kind of get a hop like this going and he'd clap like this. And he kind of do that. I know you're all chuckling. Don't be Michael now in the window. All right, don't do that. But I mean, that's the kind of era it was, it was in. And, uh, and so we were at this men's retreat. And it was, it was, it was, it was kind of an over the top moment. All the men were together. And, uh, the Holy Spirit was really messing with me. Those were those days when, you know, I was baptized in the Spirit and I just, every Sunday I was getting messed with. And so, um, here I am at this men's retreat, thinking again as everybody's worshiping God. And there was nothing out of order. There was nothing weird. It was all biblical. But I, uh, but I'm sitting there, man, and I'm, well, I'm not sitting there, I'm standing there. And, and I was being stretched, majorly stretched. Remember now, I'm the one that used to make fun of this stuff. I'm the one that used to say like that one guy did, oh, it's just, it's not necessary. You know, let's just, let's just go on to the other stuff. And the word of the Lord was, if you can't handle this, we're not going anywhere. And, and, and so, and so I'm working through all this. I was making fun of it. And, and whenever you make fun of something, you're going to end up doing it. Whenever you say never, I'm telling you there's something in the heavenlies. When God hears a never, he goes, oops, I got one. And I remember it was that moment and I just said, oh, sweet Jesus. And so I, I was about three quarters of the way back. I slipped out into an aisle. It was over the side. It was kind of built like one, you know, like an old Baptist church was. You know, it's just like one of those shotgun things, you know. So I could slip out in the aisle. I, I, I just, I just, I was there. Just, I was there. Now, you know, hear me. God, he wouldn't, I could have went through that and didn't have to do a thing. He wasn't forcing me. There's some people that need to hear that. We're not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do. Listen to me. God loves you. We love you. Nobody's going to come get you and go dancing around the church. Come on. We're not going to do that to you. All right. If you're not there, that's cool. God loves you. Take, keep taking the journey. But I'm talking to some of you that are right now on the edge of a breakthrough. And you're wanting a breakthrough to happen in your life. And you're just, you're just grabbing things. And I'm just telling you that I slipped out into that aisle. And, and I just said, okay, here I go. I had to keep my eyes closed. Because, you know, whenever these moments happen, you think everybody in the room is looking at you. Isn't that true? It's like the first time you raise your hand. Everybody in the room could have their hands up, but when you put your hand up for the first time, you feel like there's this spotlight that just hits you. And it's But you know what? Could I just tell you, maybe there is a heavenly spotlight that God has drawn to that moment. And maybe, maybe you've got his attention. But I stepped out in the aisle. I remember I took a deep breath. And I said, here we go. And I started doing this Jewish thing. I just started doing, and, and what brought this to remembrance is I was watching a DVD of a worship leader sharing with a bunch of pastors the first time he ever broke through in praising God. 
And he made the statement, I'll never forget it, because it made me flash back to that moment at that men's retreat. He said, I just started laughing. And I remember when I started just kind of doing that little crazy Jewish thing there. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know what I'm doing. I mean, does this even look right? Because you're worried about, does this look right? Like, am I accomplished Jewish dancer here? I don't know. Am I, am I, do I need the beginner's class or the intermediate or the, you know, do I... And you know, and I had tennis shoes on because it was a retreat and doggone it, the rubber bottoms on it kept sticking on the carpet and you need kind of a slick bottom to do some of those dances because you can kind of, you know, you can get the slick going there. But I, and my eyes were closed, but I started to laugh. And it was like freedom came at that moment. Now listen, but listen, and we had, we had an incredible season of challenge during 89 and the early part of 1990. But I can, I, I, and there were numbers of things that we had to assimilate into our life. I, I don't want to boil it all down to just one thing, but, but there were numbers of things that had to be assimilated into our life. But I, can I just share this with you? Something moved in my life and something was moved in our life the moment I decided that nothing was off limits for God. And I was just going to give him everything. Finances started to move. Doors of ministry started to open. Promotions took place. Favor was released. Now, it wasn't overnight. I don't, I don't want to give a misrepresentation here. These things didn't happen overnight. But I can point back to a moment and some important moments when God began to do some incredibly important things in me. And, and me learning to praise him began to move things around me. I want to be clear. Nobody's going to force you to do anything. Listen to me. Don't you walk out of here and say, well, I just don't feel comfortable. Listen, if you, you take, you're taking that on yourself. If you're not there, that's cool. Here's the, here's the problem is, 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 is if I'm cool with you, you be cool with me. If I can love you where you're at, you love me where I'm at. You love the person next to you where they're at. If this is all about love, then you know, love's a two way street. It's not all about just loving you and making you feel good. It's about, hey, we're all going to stretch here a little bit. We're all going to. Come on now. Can we, can we not say amen to that? Come on. Some of you, you're, you're ready to worship God. You have been for years. Others of you are moving into this. Others of you are checking it out. I'm, I'm cool with all of it. But, but you must be open. All right? For some of you, you know, if, if you could just get your arm like this. I mean, that'd be great. You're, something, something's moved, so now God can move. Maybe you need to move it from here to... Or maybe this. I, I, I mean, I'm not picking on you. Don't misunderstand. I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying, come on. What, where's your boundary? And how can you get over that boundary? Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Maybe you're not at the place where you can... Maybe you can just go. Maybe the Holy Ghost will get on that leg. <laughs> I was with Noah the other day, by the way. I was at Noah. Where, is Noah still here? Noah, I want you to know, when I was with you at Bethany, man, Noah was worshiping God. And I can't do what Noah does, but it's cool. It's like. Have you seen that? 
I'm not, I'm not telling anything out of school. But I tell you, Noah, that blesses me, man. I'm watching him going. I mean, I mean, he was doing this thing, man. He's just like this. And I'm going, I'm looking at him and go, boy, Lord, that's another generation right there. Dude, that's another generation right there. You know, I got, I got Tyler. I got Tyler. Well, what am I supposed to do? Stop them from accessing God? Stop that. He makes me uncomfortable. Well, you ought to stand next to that. You ought to stand next to it sometime. There wasn't no moving out and going, he's my youth pastor. I mean, I, I mean it though. I, I'm, not, I, I'm using it just to get you loosened up. He's blessing. He's loving God. Praising God. Praise God. Praise God. I mean, there's a decorum. There's an order. I mean, we don't, we don't want you to do, you know, like in the Christmas song, you know, 12 ladies leaping. I mean, if we're going to get leaping or something, I mean, I mean, you know, there's a decorum. Everybody knows the culture here. Come on now. This is safe. We're not, we're not weird. We're biblical. Just being biblical. Just loving God. Just moving our city. I believe that. I believe that. You can't talk about the triumphal entry without talking about praising God. Hey, let's stand. Will you stand with me?